Hello, Lion Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. First off, I want to say I hope you all are staying safe during this time. I know it's a crazy time right now uh, with the virus and everything in our industry, uh, you know, pretty much being shut down. So I just hope you all are staying safe, staying inspired, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, my guest today is Donnie Burtless. He is the founder of Buffalo Eats, and I'm so honored to have him on the show. Donnie is someone I've been following for a couple years now. He started Buffalo Eats, which is a blog slash food, uh, food podcast slash instagram page just this brand of uh showcasing the city of buffalo and all uh you know all the dining options it has to offer and not only the chefs but the farmers and every single uh part of the food scene that makes you know buffalo such a great city to dine in and he's done it for 11 years now and you know like i said he's someone i look up to he's given a voice to my city in terms of the chefs and the people he's had on his uh show and written about and i really really look up to him in terms of the content he makes and his passion and drive for promoting the city that he loves so i want to first off thank donnie so much for coming on i know we've been trying to do this for some time and it's just such an honor to talk i really hope you all enjoy this and i hope you take you know if you take anything away from this i hope if you live in a city like buffalo or smaller or a town or wherever realizing that there are talented cooks and chefs in your area and while you know it may be glamorous to want to go to a chicago or a new york you know trust me i've I've done it and it's great. There's something special about where you're from and kind of what the chefs do uh, with the food that, you know, is in your area that you grew up with. So, you know, just pay attention to the people around you, I guess. You know, obviously always look up to the chefs in New York or wherever, California, but always, you know, I hope that every cook has, you know, some pride from where they came from in the food scene. Um, from whatever town they're in. So thank you all so much for listening. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode, and here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey man, welcome to the show. Hey Ray, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing, doing all right. Man, managing to to stay sane, I guess, as best <laughs> as possible. Yeah, that's the key during this time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, if you would like to just introduce yourself to the audience, that would be great. Sure. Uh, my name, my name's Donnie Burtless. Uh, in two thousand nine, I started uh, a blog called Buffalo Eats where uh, me and my wife uh, and some friends of ours, uh, but mostly me and my wife, we would, would go around Buffalo, New York, and, and trying out new food. And um, it started as really a, a I guess, a, a catalog of things I was trying for the first time. Uh, I was a uh, notorious picky eater as a, as a child and, and as like a, you know, a young adult, um, you know, a chicken fingers and uh, – french fries kind of eater who didn't venture out um but i i one of my my best friends is is lebanese and uh i remember going to his friend's house uh to i remember going to his house and 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 having dinner and uh my mind being blown by just something as simple as as lebne uh which is literally just a a yogurt dip um and it's really not that exciting but it, it was literally uh 
uh, you know, one of those instances. And, and he was at the time really into Anthony Bourdain's uh, No Reservation. So uh, it was like that, that light bulb moment of, of understanding that food that I just assumed I hated, I, I probably didn't. And watching one of the coolest people I thought at the time talk about how cool it is to try new foods that we were like, let's run a food blog. And at the time there really, there wasn't anything like that in Buffalo. Um, and so the food blog just started as that. It was, it was me, you know, checking off things I wanted to try for the first time. And in retrospect, uh, having the, the balls to pretend like I could critique any of this food. Uh, I, I really wasn't like a, a harsh critic or anything, but the, it, looking back, the fact that I thought I could try sushi for the first time and then have the audacity to try to uh, critique it, I guess is mind blowing. And I, I can't believe more people didn't call me out for that. But, um, but over time uh, we got, you know, our, our palates developed. We had, uh, a bigger idea of, of what we were trying. And, and, you know, we, we wrote, I don't know, probably 2000, uh, quote unquote reviews. Um, we did a, we did a podcast wow. for two years straight where we recorded every week. So we did a podcast for about 110 episodes of interviewing chefs and writers and, you know, brewers and anybody we could get into our basement to talk about what they did. Um, and then we did another podcast after that for about uh, 60 episodes. So um, it was something that, you know, started as a hobby. It never made money. It was never a business uh, venture. Um, but it was always something that we loved to do because we loved talking about Buffalo and talking about our restaurant scene. And, um, and yeah, now now I, we had our 11th anniversary in February uh, of, of the website. So it's... Thank you. It's, it's weird because, you know, we started as a blog and I don't think in 2020, a lot of people are reading blogs so much these days. Uh, if you probably asked anyone under the age of 25 about Buffalo Eats, they would think it's a, a very fun uh, Instagram account. And I don't know if they even realize that there's a website that's still alive that has uh, thousands and thousands of posts on it. But um, I, I used to have issues with that, but I, I feel like I've come come to terms with it. So. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to the the blog because you know for, I mean you're kind of correct in that in that I don't read many yeah. blogs uh, to be 22 <laughs> years old and in the industry uh, obviously knowing what Buffalo Eats is but um, so like with the blogs what was that like like before having all this audio like I for me when I started getting into food media podcasts were already kind of a thing and I had the audio and then I also had the blog so for a lot of media sites i have this option like you know like i can go either read the content or i can go listen to it but with, back in 2009 like you were saying obviously it was more so focused on yeah. writing what do you think um like set your writing apart or what do you think it was about the way your team wrote that kind of captured the attention of uh people who like food in buffalo um so in in 2009 um for buffalo food writing there really were only a couple options so you had the Buffalo News, um, the major newspaper in town, which at the time Janice Oaken was still the lead reviewer. And Janice Oaken is a legendary food critic in Buffalo, but she is also at the time um, in her probably her late 70s and was not as um, was not connecting with younger people in Buffalo uh, 
that well. I, I guess is the most politically <laughs> minded way to say that. Um, and 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 she was fine. You know, I've met Janice. She's she. We had her on our podcast. She's she's a a firecracker of a woman and is very entertaining. But um, I think you know Buffalo News needed uh, you know a new spin on how they're presenting food coverage. It was very old school, and so. And then the other one was Buffalo Spree, which is a magazine which which was doing good work, but you know it's a magazine, so everything's three months out and written before it even gets to your face. So, what we had with with Buffalo East the blog was, um, we were the fi- we were the first people on the scene. Um, if something new was opening, we were going the first day and we were posting pictures, and it would be up the next morning. Uh, we were one of the first people to really embrace Twitter. Um, I mean, our Twitter account for, you know, we started in, in 2009 um, and, you know, we were, when you join Twitter and you're in Buffalo and you put in Buffalo as like searching accounts, we were in that first result. So nice. we, we just really, you know, I mean, a lot of that is just timing. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. lucked into some of that stuff that that was the time when we could really make a name for ourselves uh, just by sheer, you know, word of mouth you know we we never spent a dollar on advertising it was all people who saw us and people sharing our articles and and i think as as far as people who liked us um we just never took ourselves that seriously we you know we uh, we were pretty open that like we were a bunch of people who didn't know anything about food and we're trying to figure it out on the fly and our really our, our first kind of mission statement was you know, we were people who only ate at TGI Fridays and now look at us and we love this stuff. This could be you, you know, that was kind of always the thing is like, we were the people who were afraid to try things, but now like this is the, the our favorite thing in the world to do and to try to break down any of those, um, I don't know, the, those, those people who, who just were afraid to jump out there and try something new. And in 2009, you know, Buffalo's food scene wasn't anywhere near as exciting as it is today. And you really had to convince people to go downtown and try a new restaurant. You really had to show them pictures of it. You know, this is 2009. This is early iPhone pictures and things like that. You know, we, we used all of that. We, it, it, it sounds crazy to say this now, but like in 2009, we were taking pictures of our food while we were eating and people would stare like people would turn (laughs) and look and be like, why are they using a flash to take a picture of their food? Like uh, servers would come over and like ask if we were okay, if there was something wrong (laughs) with the food. Uh, It sounds crazy now because I don't think you could go to a restaurant and not see people taking pictures of food. And that's not even like an age thing. I mean, like, you know, my, uh, my in-laws who are in their sixties love to, to take pictures of their food when they're at restaurants um every, everybody does now and so in 2009 it was just we were we were the black sheep we were the ones sticking out but but because of you know phones and digital cameras we were able to get those first photos you know we we didn't have anyone that we had to run it by to make sure we could post it it was me and my yeah. wife and she i'm a horrible writer so she would kind of make sure uh anything i wrote you know sounded uh you know it made sense but um <laughs> But yeah, that was that was kind of how we how we started off, and and we've we developed a, a pretty good following right away. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's so cool. You know, I wish you know, I get jealous when I hear stories like that because I wish I was there when like Twitter started. You know, it was really <laughs> cool to like you know have a written a 
app based on writing and kind of getting your thoughts out there. I know like the newest app right now is TikTok, and uh, for me, yes. I, I don't know. I just don't connect with it as much. But I know it's <laughs> you know I've seen a lot of chef driven content that does great on it, so I can't knock it. But uh, so I guess I, my next question then is you know as Buffalo started to grow, when did you? I I guess I want to get into two things. The first question being, when did you start to notice? it taking off slash chefs kind of realizing how powerful it was becoming. And then when did you kind of see Buffalo start to flip into that, uh, you know, the scene we have today? Like when did those two moments kind of occur for you? Sure. Um, so it definitely took us a while to get a real good footing. Um, so we started in February, 2009. I would say by the end of 2010, we were starting to, at least get on the radar of some people. Um, and I, I only knew that because we were starting to get invited to, you know, traditional press events, um, things that, you know, the Buffalo news and, and locally Buffalo rising, which was a magazine and, and then turned into a blog. Um, we're getting invited to, and, and then we started seeing those same invites coming our way. Um, you know, a new restaurant opening or a press release and things like that. And, that's when I started to realize that like people were actually reading what we were typing and, and also, you know, just looking at our page views on WordPress, you know, we were by the end of 2010, I want to say we were, we were up to like 300 readers a day, which wow. uh, at the time was like blowing my mind that, that we could do that. Cause honestly, I, and I, I know, you know, everyone says this. I honestly just started it as a way for myself to keep track of what we were doing. I never <laughs> thought that anyone would care um, in any way. Um, and then I remember in 2010, uh, the first chef that I ever really met was actually Ross Warhol, your, your former, uh, your former boss. Um, <laughs> he, we, we asked him, we started doing, um, interviews where we would send, uh, like a generic, like six questions to people. And it was a way for us to interview people and we would email them and it was just easier to, to get people to do it because they would see six questions respond. And then we'd have, you know, a, a blog post the next day about, uh, what their favorite restaurants were growing up and all this other stuff. And Ross did that. We, we asked him to do an interview. He was very gracious. He was like super uh, appreciative of it. And he invited uh, me and my wife to a dinner he was doing. And uh, nice. we could not believe that we were getting comped uh, passes to what was a, probably a very expensive dinner at the Anthony M hotel. Um, and we were just like, I, this is not happening. This is crazy. And, and then I remember, um, we sat at the dinner we had, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was like a farm to table dinner, which in, in 2010 was still, you know, relatively new and, and not, at least in Buffalo, not like a, a chic thing that everybody is doing. And, um, and he, <laughs> there was a, we sat with a woman whose brother worked for like Jose Andres and, she like introduced herself to like Ross and they were trying to talk and he like excused himself and came over and was like, Donnie, I just want to thank you for uh, doing that interview. It really meant a lot. And I was just like, I, I can't believe this is happening right now. It was, uh, it was, it was amazing. So that was like our, our coming out like moment where we were like, okay, maybe this has some weight in the, in the chef community. Maybe, maybe anybody cares that we're trying to, to do this kind of thing. Um, and and then from there it just exploded. You know, we we started especially with the podcast. You know, you're having chefs over to your house, and the podcast lasts for 45 minutes, but then you find yourself drinking for another three hours and and, and talking and, and and getting 
to know people and and then you know you just start to find yourselves in the same circles and so i mean v- very quickly after that like my social circle went from the friends that i had to primarily people in the industry uh and and that i feel like that happened super quickly um and i would say as far as like the the restaurant scene you know uh i'd probably 2014 2013 were the years where you know huge changes started to happen that was when you saw developers throw tons of money into rehabbing buildings downtown um before that anytime a new restaurant opened it was either on elmwood village which is like a a trendy area in buffalo um that's Mm -hmm. a little like upper class uh or it was in the burbs and right around i guess 2013 or so that's when you started seeing these just like hey here's a 50 you know 150 year old building downtown let's throw a ton of money into it, renovate it and put a kitchen in it. Um, and, and all of a sudden people are like actually excited to go downtown to eat dinner. Uh, if they weren't going to like a, a you know, Sabres game or uh, a theater production. And yeah. I remember going to the hotel Lafayette when um, Mike Andrzejewski opened his, his like really fine dining restaurant. Like it, it was a big deal that like, there was going to be a, a real sit down um, kind of prefix, but not fully prefix menu. Um, and I remember sitting, I, I was very fortunate enough to get invited to, to like a preview tasting. And I remember sitting in there and thinking like, wow, like this is like Buffalo is like legit. And this is something that like, I will be proud to tell people about. And then it seemed like after that happened, um, more and more people wanted to start opening restaurants downtown and a lot of like chef owned restaurants, which is, is always very important. Um, yeah. And from there it, it kind of has been rolling. I, I would say in the last couple of years, it's definitely decreased, you know, for a period of time, it seemed like every year there's 15 exciting restaurants that were open. Uh, and now I'd say that def- that number is definitely scaled back, but from 2013 to 2017, it just seemed like it was nonstop. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it uh, before starting the podcast, and it's a point I kind of wanted to get into, um, and I guess in relation to you as well, uh, so like for me, growing up in the Buffalo region, uh, you know, like I said, I'm only 22 years old, and growing up, it was like, you know, I almost had this urge that I needed to get out, um, and, you know, just not really seeing what Buffalo had to offer, uh, you know, going into high school, going into vocational school cooking and not even knowing like what our city had it was actually um it was actually when i got back from my uh, first year of college at the culinary institute of america that i uh i was i remember i was cutting grass i had had reached out to ross because uh another chef of mine who's been a mentor to me is cody castiglia uh, who's no longer working in the city um yeah he's great uh he connected me with ross and i was you know, waiting to go uh, meet Ross, and I had actually listened to your podcast. And when I found out that you did a podcast with Ross, I listened to it, obviously. Um, loved it. And I noticed that you had, like, podcasts with all these different uh, chefs, producers, all these different people from the Buffalo area, and I had no idea. And it was almost <laughs> just like it – was, it was literally like finding treasure. It was like I, I had no <laughs> idea this existed in the city I grew up in. And so, I mean, did you did – you, did you run into that a lot with people in Buffalo as the, you know, as the decade from 
2010 to 2020 kind of uh, continued on? Or what was, I guess, what was your reaction first from the people following Buffalo Eats when they started to see everything happening in the city? Um, I, th- I think it w- there was a couple moments where, um, so so what for one is is you know when we started Buffalo Eats, I was literally learning on the fly. You know, I I was trying to find out about. Um, a like the chef culture B uh, you know, different cuisines. I, I was trying to like learn all these things as it was happening in front of me and as we were covering it. And it, um, it was, it was really tricky. And, you know, I, what we started seeing was things that I would geek out about that I would feel like, you know, Oh, finally I've been reading about this on eater in Chicago and New York city forever. I can't believe this is going to be in our backyard. Uh, and for me, it would be exciting. And then we would post it on, you know, social media, mostly Twitter or Facebook, and you'd see other people really excited about it. And the one I can think of, um, right off the top of my head is Lloyd, the, the, the taco truck. Um, they opened in 2010 and I remember finding out about it and being like, guys, like there's a taco truck coming. Uh, they're not doing like, you know, they're not doing uh, Taco Tuesday at home with like Ortega and, and lettuce. Like these are like, you know, corn tortillas and, and cabbage and like, you know, kind of California-esque tacos. Uh, that was that in, it sounds crazy, but in 2010 was nowhere to be seen in the city. Um and I got super pumped about it. I was like, I wonder if anyone's going to care. Like n- Buffalo had never had a food truck. And so um, I remember we were covering it a lot on Twitter and we just saw the reaction. And and obviously, you know, there's a million reasons they blew up. Um, it's not because we wrote about it, you know, but the people who followed us, you know, every, anytime we posted anything about Lloyd, it was always our number one story or it was our number one post that day or, um, people would just freak out about it. If there was a new menu, if they were going to do an event um, and watching that, you know, to see other people who are excited about things like that, that could nerd out with me um, really started to make me feel better about, about, you know, the, the future of, of Buffalo's dining scene. And, you know, I, I guess the other early one would be uh, Vera, which um, I want to say they opened in 2011 uh, and they were the first real, you know, craft cocktail bar in Buffalo. Uh, and it, they looked cool. You know, all the bartenders looked like rock stars. Again, <laughs> I have to preface, this is 2011. I know every place in the world has a, a craft cocktail program I, and everybody's wearing vests and, uh, you know, every city has, you know, a speakeasy at this point, but in 2011, like that, that didn't exist. And we were super pumped about it. We, I remember the first time I walked in there and I was like, you know, the, the stereotypical, like, I feel like I'm in Brooklyn. Like, this doesn't feel like Buffalo. This feels like I just stepped into a place in Brooklyn. And we were super pumped about it. And I was like, I hope other people are going to be excited. You know, it was $10 cocktails, which people, like, could not believe uh, was, like, the price of how to get a drink. And and sure enough, you know, uh, people started, you know, really freaking out every time we posted anything about that. Uh, that was like the number one place. It's like, when are they going to open? When are they going to open? People were like, uh, you know, they, they were addicted to like any news we had about that place. Um, 
Yeah. And just, you know, th- those were early, but just watching, watching us be excited about it and then see that kind of reflected uh, against us, you know, in, in our audience to see them also so excited. That was, that was how I knew there was an appetite for this kind of stuff. And then yeah, this no, is what, you know, cool. when the term foodie is starting. So, you know, everybody <laughs> called themselves a foodie, uh, you know, in, in Buffalo because they liked to find, you know, different things that weren't available here. That's awesome. I mean, you know, that idea of people finding things and obviously, you know, the city, things were just starting to kind of come into their own place. And then you fast forward to, like you are saying, 2014, when you started to notice things like change or things that get bigger. Um, I guess what were some, like, what was the dining scene like then between like 2014 to like 2018 in terms of growth and also like obviously with Buffalo Eats? Like what did you find yourself covering more of and what did you, like, what did you see like, did you see uh, the palette of like people of Buffalo kind of morph as new options came in, or kind of, what did what did you notice through your lens of Buffalo Eats? Um, I, th- I think I, I noticed, you know, um, things that things that we took, you know, whenever we'd write a story and it was like um, a chef that we really, you know, uh, admired and respected would open a new place, we would always try to put front and forward their names or if they're you know and you read other you know cities uh coverage of restaurants and you know uh i'm not sure if you're a football fan but in football oh, yeah. when when a coach has <laughs> when a coach you know gets successful they have the coaching tree right and so all of their assistant coaches are now uh you know considered valuable talent to become a head coach themselves and so you know there's that thought that you know the guy at the top is really successful and the people who work underneath them um, should are also super talented and then they get their own chances. And we were trying to really emphasize that kind of thing with like chefs, you know, when there would be a sous chef who I knew was a really talented cook in another restaurant, we would always try to promote their names out there to really get people to know who was in the kitchens and try to not make celebrity chefs, but to make some of these chefs, you know, household names basically Mike A who the godfather of, of Buffalo cooking was really the only household name. And we were trying to make people like Ross and Ed Forrester and Steve Gedra and James Roberts uh, and Jennifer boy. Um, we were trying to make these people household names because they were super talented. Uh, and you should know when they were going to open a new restaurant because that meant that you should go there. Um, and, and so that from, from 2014 to 2018 is, I think when people really started to pay attention, uh, to when a chef was doing a pop-up that they really appreciated, uh, and they would go out of their way for, and I guess you could say the same about farms, you know, there are certain farms that just have better produce than other farms locally. And, and, you know, there's prestige farms, I guess you could say, if, if you see an Ols family farm, anything on a menu, like I'm going to order it regardless of what that dish is because their farm is amazing. Uh, and they only let a certain amount of restaurants use it. And we started to see, um, we started to see that name recognition with, with our audience. They, they started to pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, and, and it was great. I mean, it it was, it was, it was finally, it, it felt like, you know, and I only been in it for five years and there was people way before me, Krista Gleny Seishu of, um, of Buffalo 
Spree and Buffalo Rising who were putting in that work to make these people household names for years before we came along. Um, but it felt like, you know, we'd been working on this for five years. We were trying to get this out to people for the last five years. And it seemed like it was finally clicking and everything was yeah. on all, on all cylinders. And, um, we, you know, a place like black sheep, which is owned by Steve Gedra, who had a very tiny restaurant called Bistro Europa for a couple of years. That was like the cool kid hangout. Like that was the restaurant that all the chefs ate at. And he opened up a much bigger restaurant, black sheep. And, you know, this was kind of like, you know, uh, everyone was like, okay, this is going to be a, a bellwether. Like, is the public going to come out for this, that everybody's been talking about how cool it is for the last three years. And sure enough, it was, I mean, the, the, the restaurant was packed there. The brunch is still one of the hardest seats to get in town. Um, yeah, it was just there and, and, this past week. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, yeah. And it, it felt great to see that kind of finally come to fruition. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, the, the irony is, you know, 2015 was our biggest year at the blog. Um, you know, we were over a couple million views for the year. Uh, wow. We had just done a uh, an award show at the end of the year where we had about like 10 staff writers and we went to my basement and we came up with our version of like uh, year-end awards. So it was like <laughs> anything from what's the best restaurant to who's the nicest chef in Buffalo to who... Uh, what restaurant that was visited by Guy Fieri is the best restaurant in 2015. Like just really dumb. Like it was a mix of like taking things super seriously and also being just super dumb and fun about it. Um, and that was huge. And, and I, I was at 2015, we were like, wow, this, like maybe this could be a, a, a business for us. Like, you know, long shot, maybe we could actually, get a big enough audience that we can make some money. Um, and then in, you know, I, I did a, a little bit of a career change the next year and me and my wife found out that we were pregnant with our daughter and okay. we kind of looked at each other and we're like, there's no way in hell, uh, like our, our free time was running out. And so we basically shut down the website in 2016, uh, in the middle of, the most crazy restaurant time in Buffalo. And, um, and, but we left all the social media open. We left, you know, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, we left all those accounts active because we thought maybe we'll come back and do something. Um, but for, for our website, we just shut it down. Uh, and the irony is that what took off bigger than our website was, was like Instagram. You know, we're, we're up to 40,000 followers on Instagram uh, and or getting close, I should say. And, uh, and that's by far, you know, every person I, I, I meet that has heard Buffalo Eats, they know us because of, of Instagram or Twitter at this point. So, um, we, we kept the brand going, but we just, we decided the, the website, the day-to-day running of that website, it was, it was too much. So, um, yeah. I feel like I rambled on there a little bit, but <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, no, I think it's important. I mean, for obviously a couple of people, obviously anyone from Buffalo to kind of know that because, you're right. I feel like a lot of people follow now and just see it at, you know, might only know it as the Instagram, but it's also a testament, I guess, to you. And like, it, it, as someone who does media or is trying to do media on my own, obviously I listen yeah. to, you know, how brands evolve and how people kind of stay relevant and to go from 2009 to now and still be relevant in any, anything really is really like an accomplishment. Um, I mean, thank you. I think Thank it's you. So I, cool. I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's an eleven like you said, eleven year run so far, and you know people are still following on Instagram, and people are still excited about the stuff you put out. I mean, I don't know. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, so. we. I mean that 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 has been something that you know we've we've kind of. I want to say there was a grand plan behind that, but it was a lot of figuring things out on the fly. Um, and it was a lot of, of kind of working around things. You know, I, I don't have time to me and my wife, unfortunately don't go out to eat as much as we want to because of a, this pandemic or pandemic and B, uh, you know, a three and a half year old daughter who, uh, is not a foodie yet, uh, fingers crossed, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, still just wants ch- chicken nuggets. Um, but, uh, so we had to, we had to figure out ways to, to keep it active. And, and one of the ways was we just started bringing on contributors for our Instagram account. Um, and we have about 10 now, uh, and it's people that are essentially handpicked by, by me. It's people who I trusted their tastes, uh, and I trusted, and it's people who always want to go to see the new thing, which is important. Um, yeah. and it's, and it's just people who've reached out to us over the years who asked if they could join the team. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I want to maybe get more voices on there and, and, and more perspectives. That's something that I, I think, um, would be super helpful. Um, but, uh, it, but, you know, having 10 people on there means that every, uh, basically every other day there's an Instagram, uh, posting and, and that keeps our account active and, um, and the way that, you know, I, I unfortunately, you know, we don't make any money on anything, but, um, any of the rare comp things that come across our table, I try to divvy it out amongst the contributors to, to say thank you. Uh, cause they're, they're buying all those meals with their own money for the, for the most part. So, um, that, that's how we kind of make it work. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it's cool. Um, and I kind of, I understand the idea of kind of putting your, your work in and not monetarily wise, not getting a lot of reward. Obviously mine goes classes. Yeah. Uh, somewhat new, so um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even think I've made a hundred dollars off of uh, this uh, this page, but I love it either way. You know, it's so much fun to do every week. You know, it's something that I'm very passionate about. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of going back to the other idea of the farms in Buffalo. You know, we're yeah. notorious for our winters. We're notorious for just sometimes being a brutal place to live, and you know, that's kind of how I always saw it as well. And I, you know, coming from this area, you know, I also do know a lot of picky eaters, uh, as well, but, you know, <laughs> seeing the farm recognition, you know, like going to the farmer's market, um, for me in, in the area is just amazing. It's, it's like the highlight of my weekends now. Uh, Ross always took me, uh, when I worked at Oliver's, he would always take me on the weekends. Um, and we would go early in the morning to get our food from all the farmers. And that was like, that, those moments were some of the best. Cause I got to see like the people who were, providing food for us. And I'd always get a butter block pop tart. So that was like a <laughs> added bonus, <laughs> but, nice. um, seeing, you know, like obviously like with what we're known for, how important do you think it was for like the farms to get recognized and for people to get excited about that? Because it's, you know, like I said, it's a hard climate to, you know, be in regardless, but to like yeah. have these farms active year round in terms of their presence, how important, or do you, like, what was the value in that? Um, in your opinion? I, I, I mean, I, I I I feel like I've I've mentioned this like uh, on a blog post or something, but the the mission statement of Buffalo Eats like always changed. So at first it was like just stop going to chain restaurants, and then it was 
uh, hey, you should know some of these people behind in, in the kitchens that are that are making everything for you. And, you know, by the end of it, by 2015, we were just like champion, like local farmers. Um, that was like our main passion. And it still is to a degree like me and my wife still absolutely love going to farmers markets. We love, you know, anytime we can go to a farm and visit a really great, um, you know, either produce or, or a lamb farm or, or a couple of the cattle farms, like um, those are my favorite places to this day. And a lot of people in Buffalo don't, I want, I want way more now than they did, but still a lot of people in Buffalo don't realize how much great produce and, and, uh, protein, I guess is raised in this area. Um, and, and, you know, people still bulk at prices. Um, if you, if you want to get a properly raised, you know, hog or lamb or beef, it's, it's not going to be cheap. You know, it's not going to compete <laughs> yeah. against, uh, Aldi's or Wegmans. Um, but I think what we're starting to see is more people understand that and more people uh, look for that on menus now. Um, and, and that was, I mean, that was something that really came to me and my wife late, later on as we were running the blog, but it, it's still something to this day that uh, any chance I get that I can promote any of those farms, um, I think it's super important. And you're right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, our, growing season is incredibly limited. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're not California. We get strawberries two weeks a year and you better enjoy those strawberries for that two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, but we, you know, there's, there's places who are making do there. The urban farming community in Buffalo is, is stunning to see what these people are doing in the heart of the East side and the West side of Buffalo. Um, with, you know, uh, greens and, um, you know, to, uh, you know, you name it, you know, pretty much anything they can. They're, the, the one farm in the West side has a, has a little tilapia farm, uh, built right <laughs> into really? their, their setup. Yeah. Uh, Massachusetts, cool. uh, Av project. Um, I mean, last I, I remember, I, I think two years ago, yeah, they had, they were actually raising tilapia, uh, right <laughs> on premise. Um, so I think it's important to, to show people that these things exist and that um, it might cost a little bit more, but it tastes so much better that, that people, you realize people have never had a ripe strawberry or a real good tomato or uh, just a good egg. I always tell people like, just start with the egg. Like that's when you, that like an egg is such a simple way to try something properly raised and grown and immediately tell the difference on how much better it is. Um, and, and it's, and everybody loves eggs. So it's, it's, it, that's always my gateway for people who, who don't, maybe don't think they appreciate that kind of stuff and, you know, roll their eyes when you tell them that, you know, um, the animals are treated well and, you know, I, I don't even want to say organic, organic farming, but, you know, farmers who are doing, you know, the right things to, to raise, you know, animals or, or produce and, and, you know, you get your uncle or aunt, they rolls your eyes and be like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, but you put, you put, you put a really good, you put a really good egg in front of somebody and they can't, you know, they can't deny that it tastes a million times better than whatever the hell they're getting. I agree. I mean, just recently, uh, last, this past week of the market, uh, I got strawberries from Ertl farms, um, and just incredible food. <laughs> yeah. My family was, you know, they're like, how, how, you know, 
they're tasting them. They're, they're like, these are really good. Like, Where'd you get these from? I'm like, oh, those are from the farmer's market. Um, you know, and they're <laughs> like, oh, wow. I'm like, we got to go. And right, grandma actually wants to go this next week. Nice. But, um, that's yeah, always but, the best uh, feeling is and anytime yeah. the, I, not, the one feeling that's never changed over the last 11 years is introducing somebody to something new, either a cuisine or a restaurant or a dish and having them come back and tell you that like they really loved it. That is still like one of my favorite feelings 11 years in still to this day is introducing people new things that they love. Like that is, that is just like the best part of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially in the city, like I totally get that, you know, having friends come from college to visit on holidays or, um, you know, siblings of friends come to visit and like wanting to know what Buffalo is about and people that like, I'm good friends with now that really don't know what's in the city, like taking them to the farmer's market, uh, going to a fine dining restaurant, going to Casa Azul to sit outside and, you know, have a taco. Like, yeah, there's so many different things. It, it's so cool to kind of, it's so awesome to have my, like know what it's in my city. And I don't know everything. There's so many places I haven't gone to, but right. to know what the city's capable of. And then to show people that it's like, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, I so I work for a pretty large bank, and occasionally we have people come into our office from from out of town. And I sent um, uh, two people from New York City to uh, Dubutsu uh, the one night when they were in town, uh, and they both like came back and like could not believe the quality of the meal they had. They were like raving, and these are two people who you know work in New York city have definitely had their fair share of really good restaurant experiences, but we're like floored by this meal they had. And, uh, and like, that's all they talked about for the week that they were here. And I've, I felt so good. It, it's one of the, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the Buffalo thing in us. It's, you know, it's we're the underdogs and we feel like nobody properly respects us. And then when you finally, somebody finally kind of shows some appreciation, it's like the best feeling in the world. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely is that underdog mentality, and I want to—I have a, I guess, a point to that in a little bit, but I do want to ask you uh, quickly about—or not quickly, but I do want to ask you about the Instagram in terms of, you know, I really think you cap- you capture that mentality or you capture like the spirit of Buffalo, and the thing that I saw that I really liked, and it's—I don't know, like, you know, I don't know how much work was put into it, but the the Never Ranch, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> branding. Uh, if you could explain that and kind of how you thought of that, because I think you know that that's it fits so many <laughs> in so many ways. You know what a Buffalo food person is about. Uh, so if you yeah. could just explain that. So yeah, I, I would say that that is definitely. Uh, so I, I came up with that idea. My, so my my sister in law is a graphic designer. She's pretty much made everything um, that we've ever put on Buffalo Eats. Our logos, our our design. Um, she's, she's, her name's Lauren Seriani. She, she has a very, uh, amazing Etsy shop that does great wooden signs, um, uh, to get a plug. But, um, <laughs> so the Never Ranch, uh, we were just trying to think of a way every, every year we have a ride for Roswell team, um, which uh, for people who are not familiar is a, a big cancer fundraiser for the city of Buffalo, uh, for Roswell park, which is a really great cancer institute. And every year we would sell T-shirts or something to raise money for our team. And last year I was like running out of ideas. I was like, how many different ways can we make our logo? Um, And then I just started thinking about, uh, I think we had a wing tournament or something. And, um, or no, you know what it was? Uh, They were going to have a ranch. They announced they're going to have ranch uh, servings stations at uh, the wing festival. 
uh, and like the city of Buffalo, like threw a fit. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. And I was like, what if we did like a never rant? I was trying to think of like a, a, a an anti ranch tattoo, uh, art like <laughs> idea that I could, potentially could get or sell. And then, uh, you know, spitballing back and forth with my sister-in-law, we came up with the Never Ranch logo, which is uh, a chicken wing drum with, like, the tattoo ribbon Never Ranch in front of it. Um, and we – it's just one of those things where, you know, I re- I know it's ridiculous. I, I can separate myself from it, uh, from people who are outside of Buffalo who are like, why do you care so much about uh, blue cheese and ranch? And um, – Part of me is like, it's, you just have blue cheese with wings. Like, that's just what you do. And then another yeah. part of me is like, they're both basically mayo with just slightly different seasonings. Like, <laughs> um, I, I can also understand how ridiculous it is, but but we leaned into it. And that's kind of the other Buffalo East thing. We never take ourselves too seriously. So sure, I'm going to sell <laughs> a shirt that says Never Ranch uh, with a wing on it. Um, and, and I will say um, that is by far the most the highest selling thing we've ever, ever made. Um, we sold, I think 300 shirts last year. So we raised about like $1,500 for our team. And then Jeez. this year when I, I was like, I'm just going to make stickers. It'll be easier. More people buy them. Uh, it'll be cheaper, blah, blah, blah. And we sold a thousand stickers uh, in wow. about two months first for the ride for Oswell team. And then when the pandemic ha- hit, uh, a GoFundMe was started for um, Western New York restaurant employees. And so we pivoted and we were like, everything that we're selling now goes to the restaurant employees. And, and I think literally in a, in a four week span, I sold 500 stickers uh, just like that. And like people like buying them all over. It was like people from Arizona who were like, I can't wait to show this to my friends who don't get it. Uh, there's like a, a woman on an army base who was like super excited to show it. Uh, I, I, saw, I sent those stickers like literally across the United States to, to people from Buffalo who could not wait to proudly display it to their you know neighbors who didn't understand it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really took off. And it, it's by far the, the number one thing we've ever made. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. I mean, they're so cool. And it's so, <laughs> it's such a, know, it's a cool design. And I agree with you how it is silly, but I am also very serious about the blue cheese and wing combination and, <laughs> friends at college uh you know i would be at this premier culinary institute yelling at people about uh eating chicken wings with a ranch at buffalo wild wings <laughs> after an exam um, so. yes it's yeah it, it you know i i i fully understand it's ridiculous but i i st- i will not let in like people on on twitter or something will give us you know uh don't be a jerk if people want to eat their <laughs> wings with ranch who cares and you know, a, a rational person would be like, yeah, whatever you eat, it's fine. But I refuse. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, this is the hill I'm dying on. You cannot eat uh, chicken wings with, with ranch. It, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I At this point, I've just leaned into it. And I, I probably will eventually get that as a tattoo at some point in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, great. Well, you know, I have a few questions left. Uh, one more serious and then the other one not as serious. So, Leading sure. more so with the serious question, uh, you know, obviously, like you were saying before, there's so many great chefs, uh, so many great producers in the area, so many great restaurants. And, you know, even with COVID-19, there's still, you know, seeing the people in the in the industry, in the food industry in Buffalo kind of pivot and make the most of it and, you know, just 
keep putting out great service. I mean, it, it really is inspiring. It really is something, you know, that I'm, you know, I can, I'm proud to say that I am from Buffalo. Um, and as someone who, you know, hopes to contribute to the city in some way as I progress my career, but for people who might be on the, or might not really know, or who are listening and they're, maybe they're from Buffalo, maybe they're a chef from Buffalo, maybe they're interested in food, but they never really saw their city in that way. What's your argument for the city of Buffalo in terms of it being like, you know, the great di- dining destination that we both know it is? I I would say what what has really changed in the last 10 years or so um, has been that Buffalo started to retain talent. Um, there was a period of time where you mentioned it right at the beginning. Um, if you're a young cook, you were going like you, and, and I'm not even talking about culinary school. I'm talking about your formative years working as a line cook in other cities. Like uh, mm-hmm. if you were coming up in Buffalo and you were really serious about being a, a chef, um, you were going to go like you were going to go to New York city. You were going to go to Boston. You were going to go wherever uh, because those are where the really talented chefs were. And what I think changed a little bit um, is that we, we started retaining more and more of those cooks who have become really good local chefs. And um, there was maybe a handful of great chefs in the area who were doing things. And I think that number has increased. And I think, um, from what you know before it was you could only get a really good meal in a certain area of downtown it's now you can get a really good meal in pretty much any area of western new york at this point um and and that you know you're never that far away from from anything i mean you know um i i just think you know i i think across the united states the level of cooking has gone up in the last 10 years People are every town that you see has a resurgence. It's usually tied to restaurants or breweries, and Buffalo is no different. But um, I really think that the talent we have in the city could really hold up against against uh, any other any other city our size and, and, and slightly bigger. I mean, we um, we really are have a really special scene, and that's very collaborative. And chefs that are trying to work together to build a scene these aren't chefs that are backstabbing each other and shitting on each other's restaurants and, you know, behind their backs and stuff like that. This is, it generally seems like a, a town of people who are working together to really put us on the map. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, what would you say to someone who, you know, has, I guess you in 2009, someone who is really excited about what they're seeing in the city and wants to cover it. What would your advice be for, you know, maybe reaching out to chefs because, you know, it is a tight, it, not a tight knit circle, but, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of people out there and it might be intimidating <laughs> to start to reach out to any one of them, you know, and I know yeah. from meeting a lot of the chefs here, they're more than willing to talk and, you know, share their stories. They want to do that. Uh, so what's your advice for maybe someone who wants to cover food media specifically in the Buffalo area? Um, I mean, I think it, it's very easy to just think you can start an Instagram account and run with it. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, every day there's a new Buffalo food, something Instagram account that is following <laughs> us and asking for a follow back. Uh, and I admire it. Uh, and some of them, you know, take off and some of them don't. Um, I mean, it's all about, about the, it's all about how much you're willing to put in to start uh, any, you know, back when blogs were a thing and a new food blog would pop up every now and then, um, my only advice would be just don't stop. 
Like you got to put in three months and this, at least this was blog speak. You got to put in three months every week and keep going with it. Cause it's not going to take off the first week. It, you've got to really put mm-hmm. the time into it. Um, and I guess the same with, with coverage now. I mean, it's really hard. I don't know who <clears throat> and wants to read things about food at this point. I wish more people did, but I, I feel like, you know, starting a blog in 2020 is probably not going to happen. Um, but if you're going to do the Instagram route, you gotta, you gotta find a way to differentiate yourself because there are literally dozens and dozens of people trying to just post pictures of food, uh, that they have at restaurants. Um, so, and also it's just quality. Um, I, I will fully admit, you know, we could do way better with the photo quality that we have of our, of our pictures, but if somebody's taking just garbage photos with a flash, uh, and thinking that people are going to really start to take it, you know, pay attention to it. Um, people just have higher standards for that kind of stuff now, uh, especially with the way cameras have gotten. Um, you just, you got to put that extra effort into it. You got to try to try to make it look professional, even though it's not. Um, and then, yeah, but just really try to differentiate yourself. I mean, that's the hardest thing. There's like a, a billion of these I see literally every day. And I just wonder like who, like I don't I I'm I'm fortunate that we did our hard work ten years ago, and uh, I don't have to worry about that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, even with Lankook thoughts only being a year and a half old, you know, you, I see I see it all the time now. Like, as you start to amass a following of people starting, and I I would agree with you the same thing. Like, you know, obviously quality has to be there, and just substance of content has to be there, and it has to feel genuine. You know, like I think with Buffalo Eats, it really feels genuine that you want to go out and eat at these places and you want to support the community. And I think that's a big thing is just, you know, it, it it's believable. And so whatever it is, you have to like really be passionate about it. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, and maybe I'm telling myself this mentally to try to make myself feel better, but I feel like you can tell when the accounts are in it for the free stuff. Like you can tell when somebody's <laughs> yeah. creating an account because they want to get free food and, and when they get those free coverages, you can tell it's like the most like, just like not genuine thoughts on anything that they're writing about. And I'd like to say that Buffalo Eats has always been fairly genuine with how our opinions. And, um, you know, if we ever get the rare free thing, we always explicitly say it or, or at least, you know, tell people that we were invited to this meal. This meal was provided to us, something like that, you know. Um, but I think we might be alone in those type of uh, ethical standards. And I, I like to tell myself that the accounts that are just blatant about it, uh, people see through that and, and then they just don't become really anything special. So um, that's what I, I tell myself to sleep at night when I, when uh, I see like people just getting like ridiculous amounts of free, free shit. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, but you know, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's how we're wrong. Cause I don't, I yeah, don't right? get that much. I, yeah. I've gotten some, you know, stuff and I'm grateful for that, but I, <laughs> you know, um, no, and, and I think you really have to, you have to really position yourself in a way that makes it very clear to people that like, I'm never going to post anything even remotely controversial on this account. Uh, we have no problem saying when something's not good. Uh, I mean, we're not out here to, to shit on restaurants when we, you know, that's not our goal. But if something's really bad or if, or a chef or somebody in the industry does something really, you know, that rubs us the wrong way, um, 
we are very much uh, we have no problem calling it out when we see fit, and maybe that has taken us off of list for free stuff. But I'm more than fine with that. <laughs> awesome. All right, great. Well, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I had one. I guess I had a. I have. I have a couple small Buffalo related questions to kind of end the show. Um, okay, I'll try to. I'm that, sorry. I keep. I keep rambling. I'll, I'll try to keep them short. No, no, you're good. I, I mean, I don't have a time frame at all. I know, but these are some things that I kind of wanted to ask you. You know, you running Buffalo Eats. Um, sure. The first one being: Is beef on whack overrated? Uh, I actually think it's underrated. If you were to ask me, but. I can see why it's overrated. Um, I, I, I This is like a, a 180 from what I used to think because I at one point thought Beef on Web was overrated and was garbage. But <laughs> what I've come to realize is that um, every family party in Buffalo eventually has a party where there's a Beef on Weck station with a yes. tray of way overcooked beef and just stale rolls. And in that scenario, yes, it's overrated because that's a, a shitty way to experience it. But if you go to a place like Barbill or Glen Park Tavern and you have a freshly carved rare or not rare, but like medium rare beef on Weck, um, it is like uh, an eye opening experience. So when you can find a good one, they are underrated. But for the most part, there's mostly shitty versions. So. I, I would say both <laughs> if, okay. if now that I'm coming around to it. It is both overrated and underrated. All right. Um, I, I don't want it. This is going to be a tough one. Favorite wing spot. And I don't want, I don't want it to be like this, I guess necessarily being the best, but I guess one that you've enjoyed recently. I mean, the one it, that it, you that go back easy. to it. It's nine 11 tavern for me. Um, nine 11 tavern is a, is a tiny, tiny bar in this, in South Buffalo. It's a cash-only bar. It's run by, I think he's a retired fireman uh, who is the only person allowed in the kitchen every uh, every service. Uh, he's the only person who knows what's in his sauce. It is the most unique wing sauce I've ever had, but it's also the most del- like delicious wing sauce I've ever had. Uh, and still to this day, it feels like a regulars only place, even though I've tried everything I could to hype this business up over the last <laughs> 10 years. Um, they are still somehow maintaining that, like not a tourist spot. Uh, and <laughs> so nine 11 tavern and people would say like, why the hell is it named after nine 11? Uh, it, the building it's in uh, was two separate buildings, nine and 11 Bloomfield. And they like literally just joined the buildings together and so that's hence the name. I think they started in like 1986. So obviously way before any yeah. horrible events happened. But it's weird when I tell people who are from like New York City to go to 9-11 Tavern and they're very, very confused. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, more fulfilling snack, uh, pizza logs or wavy chips and bison dip? Man, that's a good one. Um Bison dip is underrated, but I will say uh, I would probably go pizza logs. Um, they are they are just something uniquely special about like Buffalo pub food <laughs> that uh, I, we I mean, our pub food really gives people a run for their money uh, with like caloric intake. Uh, and I think that <laughs> is one of those shining examples of of how we took what is arguably some of the most unhealthy pizza in the country and like somehow made it even worse. 
<laughs> I mean, it worse for you, not worse in yeah. tasting. Yeah, but like, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, it is it is something that is just like uniquely Buffalo that I absolutely love. All right, uh, favorite pizza in the city is my last food based question. Uh, that one is tough. Uh, I mean the the go to answer is Imperial, uh, which is is probably a favorite answer for a lot of people. I would say I would say Imperial is probably like my uh, birthday pizza if I could treat myself to something <laughs> that I don't have normally. Uh, something that I have probably more regularly would be Nino's, but their West Seneca location uh, because they have two locations: one in Hamburg, one in West Seneca. I have no idea why. But the the West Seneca location is like twenty times better, uh, and that one that one's probably like my runner up. So I'd say Imperial and Nino's. Awesome. And then last uh, ridiculous Buffalo based question that only people from our city <coughs> will understand: um, <laughs> Who is more likely to win a championship first, the Bills or the Sabers? I think we're, we're pretty obvious right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might have been a more difficult question uh, eighteen months ago. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's the Bills. Uh, right. I I am a Sabers fan first. I have a tattoo of Dominic Kashuk on my arm, um, but uh, I I have to admit that the Sabers seem like uh, they're still another ten years away from even thinking about it. <laughs> awesome! Thank you for uh, thank you for those questions. I only I only bring out the rapid fire questions once in a while, so I, I had to ask I, you some Buffalo. I appreciate ones. it. I yeah, appreciate of course. It. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, with Line Cook Thoughts, the audience is Line Cook Nation, group of chef cooks, uh, people in the industry looking to connect. And now that you've been on, what does it mean for you to be a part of this uh, show and this community? Uh, I, uh, you know, thank you so much, Ray. I, I know we've talked probably for months about this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm honored to be on here. I, you know, I've watched uh, you interview a whole bunch of people over you know, over the year and, and really some super impressive names with really impressive resumes. So, uh, I'm honored to be included in that list, and and thank you so much. I I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, and you know, before we end, just thank you for showcasing Buffalo. I mean, without your podcast, the one day when I was, I remember vividly cutting grass, about to go work with Ross, <laughs> and I, you know, realized there were all these people and all these chefs doing all these great things. Without discovering that, I don't know if I would have had the same, I guess, excitement to go look for those things and kind of just be so impressed with all the great people in the city. So thank you for the work you do. And yeah, it was an honor to have you on. Thanks man. That, that means so much here in that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. So there you have it. The interview with Donnie Burtless. Donnie, thank you so much for coming on and everyone else. Thank you so much for listening. If you are a fan of the show or or you've just started, I just want to let you know that the 100th episode is coming up very quickly. So please message me about that. If you'd like to be a part of that show, it's going to be a fan driven show sharing why it's important to talk to cooks. Also, if you do have the time, please leave a review on Apple podcasts. It allows me to get better. It allows me to get some feedback and I'm really interested in how you're liking the show. So please, please, please leave a review on Apple podcasts. Thank you all so much for listening this week. I hope you all are staying safe and inspired and I'll see you on the next Line Cook Thoughts podcast.